to talk to you about the philosophy of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that it's sharp and it pierces through to discern who joins tomorrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Pray that you'd enable this earth vessel to communicate that which you would have me to say tonight for the edification of these folks, wherever this goes. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 30 through 37 to give you kind of a what's going on. The verses before verse 30, uh, a lawyer was trying to justify himself before God, and he asked Jesus, uh, what must I do to have eternal life? And Praise God, that's a good question, by the way. You should be asking that question. What must I do to have eternal life? Well, Jesus said, what does the law say? Well, he said, well, the love of the Lord thy God with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my body, strength. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a good, it was a good reply. And then uh, he said, basically, go do that. And we got under conviction about that, about that time. We began to be under conviction. And so he kind of tried to, you know, as a lawyer, he's used to position himself verbally. And he said, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who, who do I need to do this to? And so this has prompted the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Just to show you the accuracy of the Bible. Jerusalem's altitude above sea level is 2,474 feet. And Jericho has a negative altitude of 902 feet below sea level. Of course, that's by the Dead Sea, right down by the Dead Sea, not too far just north of it, by the Jordan River. So there's almost 3,000 feet difference between Jerusalem and Jericho. But the Bible's accurate in all of its facts. Through the years that I've gone through the Bible, I've been amazed and amazed and amazed how absolutely accurate the book is. Now, you think about it this way. We're in 2022. If there would be known, provable, obvious uh, errors in Scripture, you know, contradictions of fact, they wouldn't, would they not have been already long, long ago brought, brought out? And, and would, it, would it not be just a mute subject? The fact is, is, there's no real contradiction. The Bible is inerrant, and um, God knows how to preserve his word. You can trust it. Just in this one right here. And this guy going down to Jericho fell among thieves who stripped him of his remnant, or his clothing, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Half dead is wholly beat up. When you're half dead, you're wholly beat up because you got to be beat up pretty badly to be about dead. This is pretty. This is how bad this guy was. He was beat up badly. He would have been left for dead. Verse 31, and by chance, there came down a certain priest. So remember, remember there, there's a few groups we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the philosophy of the thieves we're going to talk about the philosophy of the priest and the Levite. By chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on 
the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So we have the group of the thieves, the philosophy of the thieves, and then you have the philosophy of this priest and Levite, and then you have the philosophy of the what we have come to say is a good Samaritan. Now, if you understand the Jews' idea of a Samaritan, a Samaritan was somewhat of a half-Jew. They had been brought in by the Assyrians when the ten tribes had been displaced, and Assyria repopulated the land of, of the northern part of Israel with a bunch of heathen. And they interbred and intermingled with the people of the land that were left, the Jews, so they they were not considered part of the Jewish people. They were a half-breed at the best, worshipped other gods, didn't know how to worship Jehovah. And so Samaritans and the Jews really would have nothing to do with each other. Um, that's why the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan well, was such a controversy. The fact that a Jewish man would even talk to a woman that was a Samaritan was very unusual. Uh, Jesus more than talked to her, he let her, he, he saved her. And she was willing to listen. So this Samaritan, so it's, it's, it's important to get in your mind who the Samaritan is not considered by the Levite, considered by the priest as not the best kind of people. But a certain Samaritan had journeyed, came where he was, this, this beat up guy. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him into an inn probably the Hampton Inn, and took, him, took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, I will repay him. I looked this up. Two pence, a little bit of disagreement on how much money that was at the time. There were silver coins, Daenerys, Denarii, they were called. And they could have been worth minimum. If you take the minimum view of two pence, would have been two weeks at the motel. What it, would, what it would normally charge for two weeks at the motel. Okay, so if you take a Hampton Inn, Holiday Inn Express, a couple hundred bucks a day, $1,400, $2,800. Two weeks worth of putting this guy up. And some people believe it was actually two months Two months worth of money. Could have been either. It's hard to tell when it comes to the value system of those people then. But nevertheless, it was a, I think what you try to get there, it's a huge sum of money. It wasn't just a little bit of money. Two pence doesn't sound much to us. But if you talk it in the terms that I'm giving you, it sounds like a lot of money. Two weeks at a motel or two months at a motel is still a lot of money either way you look at it. For somebody you don't even know. You know, he was beat up along the road. You didn't know whether he deserved it. You didn't know what was going on necessarily. And then he tells the innkeeper, <clears throat> if you spend any more on him, I'll pay it. So he gives him kind of an open credit card uh, to help him out. And then Jesus puts it back to this lawyer. He says, which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. It's interesting when I go door to door, how I meet people that are very similar to the lawyer. 
who, were, who was just trying to justify himself before the Lord Jesus. I bet 90% of the people I go calling on believe they're going to heaven some way or another. That the God would never, or at least they look at their life and they figure, God, you know, if he weighs my good, bad, I'm probably going to make it, maybe barely, but I'm going to make it. At least 90% of the people. So it's personally amazing to me. Especially with the evil we have in our society. It's like, with all the evil that's going on in our society, who's doing it? Because it isn't the people that I'm calling door to door with. Those people think they're going to heaven. And so I'm like, well, who's doing all this evil? Who's committing all this, all this wickedness going on? It's incredible uh, what's going on in the world that people would be that, that justified in their own eyes. But every man is right in his own eyes. We know that. I talked about that a few weeks ago, Proverbs 14, 16. So somebody's committing the evil. Um, and it's not the saved folks that are doing it. It's the unsaved people that are doing it. This lawyer asked Jesus the question that may be on the mind of every person on earth one time or another. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? I, I don't think it, you have to live too long to realize you're going to die someday. Uh, the, the death question is not an if question. It's a when question. And now, even though you're younger people here tonight, are not really thinking about death. You don't dwell upon death. It's normal as you're a young person to almost feel like you're, you're eternal, like you're never going to die. That's why young people do crazy stuff like snow skiing, snowboarding, going through a bunch of trees, having a helicopter take you, drop you top of a mountain. and That's insanity. You feel like you're forever. You're never going to die when you do Or how about downhill mountain biking? My, oh my, the little bit of YouTube I've watched on that, those people are nuts out of their mind. They feel like they're going to live forever. You don't see no 70-year-olds on them bicycles. <clears throat> what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's not too long before you begin to think, man, you know, what's going to happen after this life's over? Because you begin to see your grandfather die, your grandmother die, or eventually in your 50s you see your mom die, your dad die. Uh, and, and you see neighbors die, people you go to school with die, uh, people you know begin to die. Time you get to be Tom Gillespie's age, man, he barely knows his death list is bigger than his life list. I mean, you know, pretty soon you've had more people around you die than you about know very well. Um, I talked to an old, we had, a, we had at one time in the church, we had three ladies 94 years old. There were three ladies 94 years old. And I, I got a kick out of them girls, you know, because they were, their mind was sharp. Their bodies were shot, but their mind was sharp. And I would, I would chat with them about life, and, and I would say, and the one, the one old girl, uh, Violet Cooper, which was the mother of uh, Beth McCullum, she would say to me, she says, you know, Bill, being old is not all it's cracked up to be. I said, well, how is that? She said, everybody I know or grew up with is dead. And she said, I mean everybody. I mean, I don't have a friend. I don't have a relative. And I don't have anybody that's alive. They're all dead. She said, I've outlived them all. I said, well, man, it's the truth. That's not crazy. I never thought about that way. But that year, all three of them died. All three of them, 94 years. They were all healthy. Had nothing wrong with them, but they all died. So whether you live or don't live, however old you get, someday you're going to come to the day of your death. Now, if you're a born-again Christian, Job says the day of your death is better than the day of your birth because you're going to get to go to heaven. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be more than you ever imagined. Things are going to be just and wonderful. 
Let me make a few observances tonight about this lawyer. First of all, he was highly educated. Education in the United States and maybe the world is a cure-all for the evil human nature that plagues the world. They think like if you educate people enough, they're going to be civil. Well, Germany was civil, or Germany was educated when World War II, World War I. Uh, Japan was fairly educated in the World War II, and you can go back in wars, and education almost has nothing to do with civility, even though you, there may be a vague relationship between that. Uh, no matter how educated you, you are, your evil nature is not educated. It doesn't get better. You with me on that? It follows you. It doesn't get better. The Bible says we've all, everybody's sinned. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. The Bible says you know, the poison of asps is under our tongue. If you read Romans chapter 3, it has such a good description of the evil nature of man. And, and even Romans chapter 7, where, where Paul says, Man, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I mean, no matter how. And Paul was educated, highly educated, knew many languages, Pharisee of the Pharisees, up under Gamaliel. Phenomenally educated man. Most educated man in the Bible, we know. And yet, he said before that, he was the chief of sinners. He said, I was a chief. I wasn't just a sinner. I was the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church of God. So an accepted philosophy today is, if you educate people enough, they will understand themselves and others, and they will quit doing evil and start doing good. Now, I hope we're, we're uh, uh, smart enough to know that's just not true. That's absolutely not true. Education has been called in America the panacea of America, the cure-all. The word panacea means to be cure, cure-all. No, no, no. Our kids in America uh, supposedly have the best education money can buy, and, man, we have thrown a lot of money towards education. Let's hear an amen on that. Look at your taxes. My kid never darkened the door of a public school. And yet I paid taxes year after year after year for my whole working life for people who, oh, don't even get me going. We're educated in America, yet out of, crime's out of control, isn't it? Homosexuals are marrying. Divorce is common and accepted as a good way to settle differences. Living together is normal. Pedophiles are everywhere. Rape is everywhere. Pornography is everywhere. 42% of the Internet. Nakedness is accepted as just normal behavior. So how well is education doing, folks? So this educated lawyer was very adept at the process of personal justification. Lawyers usually are good with words. And so Jesus quizzes him, what does the law say, how you doing? The lawyer got feeling condemned, he got feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, by the way, that, that's a good way to feel just before you get right with God. And he poses this really ridiculous question. Who is my neighbor? Now stop. Who is my neighbor? But Jesus uses this as a springboard to show three groups of people uh, and three different philosophies of life in these three groups. First, we, take on a, we look at the thief and his philosophy. What was the thief's philosophy? Thank you for asking. What you have is mine. That was his philosophy. A thief believes what you have is mine. Sounds like the Democratic Party to me. 
what you have is mine. Now look, if you vote Democratic, I'm sorry for you. I feel bad about it. But the point is, I'm not going to vote for somebody who thinks my stuff is theirs. We're going to get amen on that. But that's what a thief does. I'm probably here preaching tonight, and there's somebody with a big U-Haul at my house loading up. They think it's theirs. Have you ever been this kind of person? I hate to say it, but in short periods of time, I have. These people are energy takers. Energy takers. That's what that thief was. He was an energy taker. It's a sin to take energy from people against their will. Well, this is what thieves do. They take energy from people. It's not characteristics of folks who are saved to do this. No. So the philosophy of this thief was, what you have is mine. The second group I see in this parable is the Levite and the, and the priest, which represents the same philosophy. Their, their philosophy is, what they have is theirs. What they have is theirs. So the thief said, what you have is mine. And the Levite and the priest says, what, what we have is ours. It's not yours. And that's an energy waster. It's a sin to waste time of other people or waste, waste other resources of other people. Uh, it, it, what's, what right do you have to keep from, your, from yourself that which has been given to you as a, to keep for yourself that which has been given to you as a gift from God to help other people? Everything you've been given is for other folks. Now, God don't mind you eating of it and you sleeping in the house he gave you and you using the cars he gave you. But he didn't give you all that stuff so that you can just heap that upon yourself. But the Levite and the priest thought, well, what I have is mine. What I have, I, what I've earned is mine. And that, that thief has no right to it at all. I like 1 Corinthians 4, 7 where it says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Get it? Think about what you have. Everything you have has been given to you by God. You say, I work hard. Yeah, lots of people work hard. But they don't get it. You get it? Are you with me on that? It's not the criteria of working hard that made you successful. It's God that made you successful. It's God's hand of blessing on you that made you successful. It's God that grows the trees, brother, amen? We plant them, but God's got to grow them. And so anything you may have above and beyond what you actually need to survive, God's given you for a purpose. You say, what purpose is that? Well, we're coming to it as fast as I can. Uh, you have salvation, yet you will not take the time to tell others about it. Go out of your way. Now, that's the Levite and the priest. They, won't, they didn't want to inconvenience themselves. They didn't want to get sweaty, get embarrassed, take a risk, because what they had was theirs. Jesus didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. He saved you so other people could go to heaven and you go to heaven. What you have 
don't have the philosophy at least of what you have is, is yours and hold it to yourself. From those hurting around you and going to hell without the Lord Jesus. A lot of times, born-again Christians just keep their distance. They stay uninvolved. They stay on the peripheral. Like these two people, they, they go over and they kind of look on. Yeah, that's bad there. That's, that's bad there. They condemn the darkness, but they don't do anything about it. I don't want to just condemn the darkness, and no doubt darkness should be condemned. But I want to do something about the darkness and change the darkness in the way that God will give me grace to do it. Oh, the Levite and the priest, they, they saw the man in need, no doubt. They had the ability to help him, no doubt. Both understood his dilemma, but their sin was they wasted their resources on themselves. That's what they did. So you have the thief, this philosophy is what yours is his. You have the Levite and the priest, this philosophy is what's theirs is theirs. And we're not here to indulge ourselves. As Christians, we have a purpose for being here, and that is to give. Freely thou hast received, freely give. And I'm not trying to raise money tonight. God forbid, I just want you to be right with God. Because I know pretty soon you're going to see him face to face. And you want to have done what he wanted you to do with what he gave you to do it with. Amen. You don't want to cheat yourself out of what God had for you by having these one of these two philosophies. God forbid you had the first one. The third philosophy is demonstrated by the Samaritan. And obviously from the parable, the Samaritan's a good guy. He's called the good Samaritan. And his philosophy is what he has is yours. What he has is yours. He's an energy giver. So you have the energy taker, that's the thief. You have the energy waster, those are those Levites and priests. Now you got the energy giver. He believes God's blessed him so he can bless other people. Philippians uh, 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better th than himself. Verse 4 says, Let not every man, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. I like that in 1 Corinthians 8, 13, but Paul knocks my socks off with this one. Wherefore, if, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh until the, while the world standeth, lest I should make my brother do offend. Woo! I mean, he was willing to give up ribeyes, porterhouses, T-bones, if that would offend his brother. I was taught, we were talking about meat offered to idols in context. And there was a big controversy first century. We do not have that now. But that was big with them. And there were people saying, if that meat, even though it's cheap and it's phenomenal, Yet we can't, I'm not going to eat if it causes my brother to stumble. That's real love, man. That's the kind of person we need to be, amen? What he had was yours. His liberty was yours. His freedom to do what he wanted to do was yours. He gave up his liberty for this wounded individual. He gave up his freedom for his, this wounded individual. He gave up his plans for this wounded individual. He gave up his right to be comfortable 
for this wounded individual because it was he was smelly, he was dirty, he was bloody. The guy dressed these wounds. You don't think, you people have been here and have been in emergency EMS, when you dress somebody's wounds, you get dirty, man. It's nasty. It smells nasty, looks nasty. He gave of himself to this guy along the road. He did not know this man from Adam. He gave his money to this guy. What was his, he gave to somebody else. His influence to the innkeeper. Evidently had a good reputation with the innkeeper. He said, if there's anything more when I come back around, I'll pay you. He must have normally made that circuit. He gave his time. He was on his way to do something. He was an important guy, no doubt about it, this good Samaritan. Yet he was willing to stop, take his time, go to that trouble, get involved. Why? Because he cared about others. He believed what he had was for other people. The blessings he had received was for other folks. Brother Hiles, years ago, was written in an old song. He quoted, and I never forgot it. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be that when I live for others, I might live like thee. Let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetting way that even when I kneel to pray, oh, my prayer might be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. It's one of the most miserable people on the planet are those people who live for themselves. Take that to the bank. This Levi and this uh, priest were miserable folks, brother. What they had was theirs. The thief, obviously, is even more miserable than what you have was theirs. That's why they end up in a slammer or dead if they come to my house and try to steal from me. I have a sign out front. Please bring ID so that we can notify your next of kin. I think we need to quit being a thief of other men's time. Quit hoarding that which we've been given. Get outside the box. Risk yourself. Spend yourself. Inconvenience yourself. Stretch yourself for others. Taking the exact words of Jesus to this self-righteous, educated lawyer... He says, go and do thou likewise. Get up every day with a Sikora view of life. Bill Sikora, Lillian Sikora, sweet, sweet couple. At the end of their life, they had this view. They had it. Their view was what's ours is yours. They get up in the morning and say, oh, who can we bless today? Amen. You got to have something. You got to have something to bless people. But they had something. Bill was quite the philanthropist, to be honest with you. He told me one time all the different ventures and different things he got in. It was unbelievable. But he spent and spent and spent on other folks. You had to be careful getting around Bill and Lil. You could not tell them you had a need. I told my staff, do not tell Bill and Lil you have a need. Do not go to them and say, you know, I, I need a new dining room set. Don't do it, because you'll have one the next week. Uh, don't go to them and say, my car's not running good. Don't do it, because they'll, you'll have one the next week. They're gonna, he'll, he'll fix it or whatever. It didn't take but a hint around those people. You had to literally be careful what you said around them, or they would meet the need, because they were looking to try to meet people's needs around them. What? 
you wouldn't meet two happier people at Gospel Baptist Church and Bill and Lil. And they they were they they're in pain. They have all kinds of trouble. They live, you know, Lil's still struggling through life. And yet you go to her and you just I go to Lil to encourage her and she encourages me. She said, Oh, Brother Bill, you're just the most phenomenal preacher. I said, Well. <laughs> Lily, I always said you had good taste. They're always lifting you up, always lifting you up, always trying to help you. Uh, look for some wounded and bleeding soul beside the road of life. Share what you've been given by the grace of God. The Bible says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? She may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Do you have the symptoms of the good Samaritan? I hope you do. The thief, he said, what's yours is mine. He was an energy taker. The, the, the priest and the Levi, they said, well, what's ours is ours. They were energy wasters. Then that old good Samaritan, he says, what's mine is yours. And he was an energy giver. And may God help us to see it while we got the resources to see it and while we got the time to see it. And God help us to be the kind of Christian that Jesus would say, you're one of my children. For what did Jesus do, folks? He had, he had all that ever was, could, was created was his. Came out of the glory of heaven. And from that point on, it was give, 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 give. All the way down. Given, given, given. And even now, he that believeth, liveth and believeth in me shall not die. Believest thou this? Oh, your body is going to die. But you're not going to die. You're going to pass out of this body and glory, you're going to look a lot better when you get out of that body. Amen? I bet if old Ben Atchel, I was thinking when she was up there playing, if old Ben got to walk down here, young man, and, and you know, he'd say, oh, hon, you know, you, you just don't know what you're missing up here. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Father, help us. Help us to see it, the three philosophies mentioned in this parable. May, Lord God, we have the philosophy to give. Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall be given into your bosom, into your, into your life. Lord God, forgive us where we've been. We've been like the old, uh, we've been kind of like that old uh, guy in, Christmas story where we've grabbed a hold of our stuff and we've coveted it. Forgive me for that. Help me to give as you have given. Help me to have a giving philosophy of life. And we're not talking about just money, but I mean time, talent, and treasure. Anything you've given us, give us our time, give us talent, give us treasure. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, 
gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.